Masechet Sukkah, Daf 38. We begin with the Mishnah on the top. And first we're talking about a case of uh, someone who um, forgot to take Ulav in the morning and what he does. And we're going to also study the next Mishnah, which is really fascinating and talks about Halel and the choreography and uh, of how to say Halel within a call and response way, how they used to say it. We'll compare that to the way we, we recite Halel nowadays. Uh, so we begin at the top. Okay, someone is traveling. Uh, they're on their way. The Gemara will talk about why this is important to know. Like, what's the difference? What the reason is? Uh, from, but uh, he's traveling and he doesn't have a lulav. I guess if he's, if he's home, he goes to the Bet Knesset. At least there's one in the Bet Knesset. And the olden days in uh, this community, not everybody had a lulav. There weren't so many around. There was one in the Bet Knesset. My father told me a story that he would. Uh, he remembers going with his father to work and they would go in the car and on the way they would stop in front of the Bet Knesset and they would run in and take the lulav and then go on their way to work uh, because uh, not everybody had one. Um, so presumably in some in village there's at least one, but if you're traveling on the road, then you might not have any. Uh, so you're on the road and don't have a lulav. When you come home, then you yitol al shulchano, you can take it at, at your table. That is an interesting phrase, at your table. It does remind me that, you know, in the Bet HaMikdash, they used to walk around the Mizbeach, all around the courtyard. In the Bet Knesset, we walk around the Teva, uh, in a way the Teva is uh, a replacement of that. And when you're at home, what are you going to walk around? You know, well, there's other sources that say your dining room table is kind of like a Mizbeach. And uh, when you have a Shtehalechem and a Shabbat meal, that itself is, uh, is like similar to a Korban. So maybe this means that you would actually walk around your table. That is what you should do if you're home and, 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 you, uh, and you couldn't make it to Knis. Um, you could put a Tanakh at your table and walk around it instead of a Sefer Torah. Um, but anyway, this phrase has another meaning here, um, not, uh, not literally to walk around the table, but rather, let's say you're in the middle of the meal, and then you remember, oh, I didn't take lulav, um, so you should stop in the middle of the meal. It means al shulchano, forget about the meal, and go and uh, fulfill the mitzvah, and then go back to your meal. Uh, so that's the first clause. Lo natal, if you did not take it in the morning, for whatever reason, you forgot, you were involved in something else, you didn't have a lulav, then you can take it in the afternoon, you can take lulav anytime during the day. Okay, so this is very interesting, and we'll see what the, how, how, to, how the two phrases correlate to each other, because after all, if it says, you know, take it right away, it's even at your table, then, then what does the second phrase mean that you wait till the afternoon? Which one is it? Do I have to interrupt my meal right away, or can I wait till later since I have all day long? Uh, all right, so we're going to have to solve all these problems. We begin comparing our Mishnah here with the Mishnah in Masechet Shabbat. Amart, not lo al shulchano So here you said you should take lulav on your table. That means interrupt your meal, right? We're taking it, the Gemara is taking al shulchano figuratively, not that you actually put the lulav on your table and walk around the table. Um, so this means that you should stop in the middle of the meal and go and take lulav, because if you continue your meal, then you're going to end up forgetting, it can take a long time, and then you're going to miss out. 
Or minhu, here's the contradiction. Mishnah Shabbat says, talks about various things that one should not do before praying mincha. And uh, one of them is having a meal. Don't start a meal in the afternoon before you say mincha, because then your meal is going to go long in, after sunset, and then you're going to not pray mincha. And so, um, however, if you already started a meal beforehand, and uh, at noon, then you can continue the meal. You don't have to stop in the middle of the meal to say mincha, finish the meal, and then say it. So now we have a contradiction because our Mishnah here in Sukkah says, if you're in the middle of a meal and uh, you remember to take lulav, you interrupt the meal. But in, in Masechet Shabbat, it says, if you're in the middle of a meal and now it's time to say mincha, you continue the meal and don't say mincha. So which one is it? Why is it different? So we're going to see several answers. The first one is that depends if there's time in the day. So uh, the Mishnah in Shabbat, which said, continue the meal, that is talking about a case where there's plenty of time during the day. So it's only noon, if I, even if I eat for a couple of hours till two, there's still plenty of time to say mincha, so then continue. Whereas our Mishnah is talking about a case where it's only a, a, a half hour till sunset. If I continue the meal, I'm gonna miss out on the mitzvah altogether. In that case, you better just stop right there. Okay, I mean, it doesn't say that in either, either of the Mishnayot, but this is a way to resolve it. So that's interpretation number one. Now, Amarava, my kushya, dil mahadeoraita, hadrabanan. Rava says, I think you misunderstood the whole question to begin with, because Rav Safra wouldn't have to answer such a, uh, it's, it's a forced answer, because it doesn't say that. You, if that was the quiz question, you could have responded much more simply, which is that here in our Mishnah Sukkah, this is a mitzvah deoraita, at least on the first day, to take lulav. And that's why, stop your meal, stop whatever you're doing, and go and take lulav. And then, and then continue your meal. That's why you should interrupt. Whereas over there is talking about praying mincha, which is derabanan. There is a deoraita aspect to prayer that you have to pray once a day, you have to pray at a time of, of, uh, of, of need, um, but praying three times a day is derabanan. And so therefore, um, that is a drabanan. So then, since it's a lower level, uh, you could continue your meal and then say mincha after. So really we would have had a much simpler answer if that was indeed the question. Therefore, Rava says, you know what? The question was different altogether. I have a better question that we, that we should have asked. If you have a question, this is it. The question is not between our Mishnah and Masechet Shabbat, but between the two clauses of our Mishnah itself. At first we say, when you're traveling and you come home, you should uh, take the lulav on your table. And on your table means interrupt the meal. But the second clause then says, if you didn't do it in the morning, you do it in the afternoon, you have all day. And that suggests that you don't have to stop in the middle of the meal. You could do it any time. So there's a contradiction within our Mishnah. That's the question. And then we bring the same answer, Amar Safra. So we're not sure what the question was. We know what the answer is, like Jeopardy, right? So in uh, this, Rav Safra says, So the first clause of our Mishnah that says, you do interrupt, that's when you're close to sunset. Right. I mean, maybe that's suggested by the fact that you were traveling and you came home at the end of the day. 
and now you don't have a lot of time and you sat down for a meal, stop the meal, do lulav, and then come back. Whereas the second clause is when there's still plenty of time, you didn't take it in the morning. Okay, so now it's midday and I'm eating. So continue eating and you'll take it any time uh, before sunset. And so that would make sense. That, that would be the answer. Okay, so that was the second understanding of the question. And now we have yet a third one. Rav Zera said, if that was the question, Rava, then there would be a simpler answer than Rav Safra's answer. Because I could have just said, there's a mitzvah, you should interrupt your meal and go take lulav. Uh, but if you didn't and you continued eating, then don't worry about it. And you'll, you can still take the lulav and fulfill the mitzvah anytime in the afternoon. So I could just say, and I don't have to say it's talking about two different cases that one's in the morning and one's in the afternoon, one's closer to sunset, one's after, not, not, uh, not close to sunset. I don't have to add extra elements into the interpretation that aren't there if uh, I could read it more simply. And so since I have a simpler answer than Rav Safraz, um, I'm going to change the question. says, I like the question that we asked to begin with. That was the question there was a contradiction between Masechet Shabbat and, and ours, wherein Shabbat says, continue your meal if you started already before Mincha. And here it says the opposite. Your question was, Wait a second, then we have a simpler answer that sukkah lulav is doraita, praying mincha is dirabanan, and that's why you want interrupt in one and not in the other. So we wouldn't need Rav Safra's answer. I would respond to you and say, says, No, our Mishnah is talking about not the first day, but the second through the seventh day. On all those days, the mitzvah of taking lulav and etrog is only midrabanan. And therefore, it's equivalent to mincha. And that's why I couldn't answer doraita drabanan. Instead, I have a real contradiction. How come in, in Masechet Shabbat it says that you interrupt the meal, and here it says you don't interrupt the meal? And so therefore, the answer of Rav Safra makes sense. One is talking about when there's a lot of time during the day, then continue eating. And one is talking about when there's a little time during the day, that's when you, that's our Mishnah, and that's when you should stop the meal. And the same law applies to both contexts, both praying Mincha and Lulav. And in fact, he has a proof from the text itself of the Mishnah. I'm not just making, I'm not just creating something out of the out of air that I'm limiting the case to the second day of your, of the holiday after all it says if you came if you came from from traveling on Yom Tov you're not allowed to travel you can't go you can't go anywhere um, so it must be talking about Cholamayed and uh, so one of these Cholamayed you were traveling and you didn't have a lulav with you then when you come back um, you would you would say it and I would add that it actually makes more sense that this would this case would be talking about when there's not a lot of time during the day because you were traveling most of the day and you came back soon uh, before sunset, then in that case, interrupt your meal. Um, but otherwise, uh, if you didn't take it in the morning and you have plenty of time during the day and you happen to start lunch, then you can continue and finish your meal and only then take lulav. Okay, so that's an uh, interesting Mishnah and um, a good reminder to do mitzvot as early as possible so that we make sure we don't forget. Next Mishnah about Halel. 
מי שהיה עבד או אישה או קטן מקרין אותו עונה אחריהם מה שהם אומנים. So first a little intro, in olden days before printing they didn't have, they didn't have סידורים uh, and they, you know, handwritten, they might have one סידור handwritten. So most people uh, are not also not so learned that they know everything by heart. So how would they pray? That's what we have a chazan for. So the chazan would either have one book or he would know it by heart and the chazan would say it and everybody else would listen and they would answer at the appropriate times. That was the normal um, structure of tefillah. So um, if, it, if there's um, a man who's obligated in saying halil, an adult male, and other people are listening, other men or anyone are listening along and answering, they fulfill their mitzvah halil, right? By the rule of shomeya, ke'oneh, if you hear it, um, then it's like you're saying it. We'll see today whether you have to actually answer the amen and appropriate things. What if you're just listening? Uh, we'll see that today. Um, now we're talking about a case uh, that's flipped, of that someone is an avid, avid kana'ani, or a woman, or a minor, and they're the ones that are saying it. Um, apparently, the, for, for an adult male, apparently the adult male is not saying it, but he doesn't know, know it by heart, and he doesn't know how to, or he doesn't know how to read. And so you have this child or woman or slave saying it for the, for the person, for the man, so this is not good because they have a lower level obligation and therefore they cannot fulfill the obligation of the man. So they should listen and say, repeat word for word, whatever the child says. Um, and, uh, and that way they can fulfill their, their mitzvah. However, a curse should come upon that person. Why? Because he's so uneducated, he can't, he can't read Hallel for himself. It's embarrassing. His kid can read it, but he can't read it. You should educate yourself, right? And, uh, and therefore, uh, a curse be upon him. Nevertheless, if that's the situation, at least he, if he says everything word for word, he fulfills a mitzvah. If, however, it's an adult male, that is the chazan and saying it, then the person responds, hallelujah. You don't respond, amen. Amen is to a beracha. In this case, you respond, hallelujah. And we'll see how it works. It's after every half phrase, every half pasuk of the, of the, of hallel, you say, um, you say, hallelujah, right? Everybody says, hallelujah. So after every half pasuk, everybody answers, hallelujah. Um, in some places, there's a custom that certain pesukim we repeat, like we do at the end. Uh, the last few pesukim we repeat them from odecha. Um, so if you're uh, wherever there is a custom to repeat the pesukim, we repeat them. If there's a custom to say them to not repeat them, then you don't repeat them. To say a beracha. It could be talking about the beracha beforehand. There are different customs today. When, when, and where? What cases you say a beracha beforehand or the beracha after? Everything follows the local custom. So apparently, even in the times of the Mishnah, there were very varying customs. Wherever you are, just follow the custom of the place that you're in. Um, but there's lots of ways to to sing it and have a, a that kind of call and response. Okay, so this is very interesting, and the Gemara is going to elaborate. On, on the way that we say it. So, Tenora Banan, Behemet Ameru Ben Mebarech Leaviv, Behaebed Mebarech Lerabo, Behisha Mebarechet Lebaala, 
אבל המרוחחמים תבוא מעירה לאדם שאשתו בנה מברכין לו. So bring a brayta similar to the Mishnah, except the brayta is talking about ברכת המזון. And regarding ברכת המזון, it says really a child can say ברכת המזון for the father. I mean, ברכת המזון also was said in that, in that way, that usually the head of the household, the father would say it out loud and everybody would listen. Same thing with Haggadah of uh, Pesach. The house head of the household will say, and everybody would would listen and and um, follow along and respond appropriately. So, if a child or Evit Kanaani or uh, a woman says Berkata Mazon for her husband, and he listens along and says Amen, he fulfills his mitzvah. So, this is Berkata Mazon is a little different because Berkata Mazon is in fact midoraita for women also. So women also have to have to say it. Evit Kanani would be the same. Child is interesting because what's the deal with that? I think there's two possible answers. One is we did see some sources that, like remember Bet Shammai, that in early in early layers of halacha, even children at a certain age are obligated to whatever extent, if they know how to do something, they already know how to pray and they know what they're doing, then it could be that they have a Doraita obligation. That's, I think, one, one answer, probably the original. Um, another answer that you find here is that it could be this talking about a case where the man himself only ate a kezait, was not, wasn't full, and therefore is only obligated in Berkat Amazon, Midrabanan, and in that case, it would be the same uh, level as uh, the child uh, also, who has to say since they're on the same level, one can fulfill the, the mitzvah for the other. Okay, so even though in these cases, the child, the woman can say for the adult male, nevertheless, a curse should be upon a person who can't say he should sit and learn it, figure it out, and not have to rely on his wife and children, right? People need a certain level of literacy. And probably because of this, uh, generally Jewish communities were in fact more literate than a general population. Okay, good. Now, Amar Rava, Hilcheta Gibbarata, So apparently in the time of Rava, already they weren't, they had their own, he has his, his own way of reciting the Halel when they did it in Bet Knesset. And it was not the same as what was described in the Mishnah. Rabbas, however, nevertheless says, we can learn a lot of halachot from the customs of the way that we say halel, right? So even in his day, they weren't doing the original way. We'll see, Rabbas' way of saying halel is more similar to the way that we do it today. Um, and so we'll try to reconstruct both systems and so we can compare them. So here's, here's what he's saying. Who omed hallelujah, ben omerim hallelujah, mikanche misvalanot hallelujah. The Chazan would say hallelujah, and everybody would answer hallelujah. And from here we see the at least a remnant of the original custom that um, they would say hallelujah after every half pasuk. And so it's a mitzvah to say hallelujah. It seems like during Rava's time they said it maybe once or here and there, but not every time. But we do learn that at some points you should have an answer of hallelujah. Um, I guess we kind of do it at the end of the paragraph. The Chazan says, we all sing, kind of sing together hallelujah at the end of the, the first paragraph. Um, okay, who Omer? 
הללו עבדי השם, והן אומרים הללויה, מכאן שאם היה גדול מקרה אותו, עונח עליו הללויה. So in, his, in the custom that of Rabbi's time, uh, uh, he would say הללו עבדי השם, and everybody would answer הללויה, and so we learn from here that when there's a regular chazan, adult male, people can just respond and they don't have to say all the words themselves. They fulfill by listening and saying hallelujah. Who omer hodu la'ashem, ve'en omerim hodu la'ashem, mikan shemisva la'anot ra'ashem perakim. So hodu la'ashem, I'm just going to show you the pesukim uh, inside here. Um, hallelujah, the halel uh, is made, uh, is found in Sefer Tehilim. It's, it's uh, from Mizmor Kufyud Gimel till Kufyud Chet, 113 to 118. And uh, the pasuk that we're talking about now, which is Hodul Hashem, is the beginning of Mizmor 118. It's the first pasuk in the last Mizmor that we say. And so in Rava's time, they would say Hodul Hashem Kitob Kilolam Chasto, and they would, um, every, everybody would say, everybody would repeat it. So what we learn from here is that the beginning of every chapter of every Mizmor everyone should say together. So we see here, this is only a remnant. We only do it, we do the same thing, but we only do it in this 118. Um, the point is that in the times of the, of the Mishnah, they would say, they would recite the first, um, the first half of the Pasuk in every, the, the start of every chapter. So basically, if you look at Rambam, Rambam reconstructs the entire thing. It would kind of look like this. Um, the Chazan would start and say hallelujah, everybody would answer hallelujah. Then he would say hallelujah, abdead Hashem, everybody would say hallelujah, abdead Hashem. Chazan would say hallelujah, Hashem, Hashem, and everybody would say hallelujah. The Chazan would say Yishem Adnaim Barach, everybody would say hallelujah. The Chazan would say Matav Adolam, everybody would say hallelujah. They would say hallelujah after every half Pasuk until the next Mizmor. And then the Chazan would say Beset Yisam Misraim, everybody would say. Everybody would say hallelujah and so on and say hallelujah and continue that way until you got to the beginning of the next paragraph. So this is the way it was done. And here is uh, Harambam who explains all this. Harambam says, if you count up how many times you say hallelujah all together, um, it uh, comes out to 123, which is the years that of Aharon, how long, how long he lived. So if you want to remember how many times it is, in fact, like Aharon. Um, I saw one person had a theory that this way of reciting Halel maybe came, dates back to the times of the Maccabees, the Maccabim, who were Kohanim, and you know, they came back and, and restored the Bet HaMikdash. Maybe they wanted to give honor to Aharon. And so maybe this is uh, uh, just a hypothesis that this uh, goes, from the, goes from the time of the Hashmonaim. So that's what we see here. This is the, this is the system. And by Rabban's time, they weren't doing all this, but at least there's a remnant in the custom that he did and that we do, that in this one paragraph, we do re re repeat the, the, the pasuk. Okay. And yes, we have a, a further statement that says you should repeat the beginnings of each chapter. In the, in the Tanakh, that pasuk is only said once, but we repeat it. This is a hint to that the, the halacha of the Mishnah, that if a child is the chazan, I guess there's no adults around and that know it, 
And then the adults have to repeat everything word for word. So even though that's not necessarily the reason why we repeat it, but um, the fact that we do it is a reminder, uh, a hint to that original halacha. Uh, we also repeat that. And this is a reminder, a hint to the halacha that there are certain places where we repeat the pasuk. And lastly, uh, Rabbi had a custom that the Chazan would say, Baruch Haba, and everybody would answer, B'Shem Hashem. In other words, they wouldn't repeat the whole Pasuk, they would say the next phrase. Now, how could they do that? If the people are saying, B'Shem Hashem, only, they're not saying, Baruch Haba. So how could they not say those words? Well, the answer is, since they heard the words, it's as if they recited it. And here's where we learn the principle of Here's one place we learn. We're going to see another one where we learn the principle of hearing is like reciting because they don't, in fact, say the whole thing. Um, okay, good. So the, the repetitions, we're learning a hint of it from Ana Hashem Oshiana, but as you know, the repetition in our, in our um, Halel actually starts from uh, down here, Odecha, in the middle of, uh, of the last Mizmor. Uh, Pasuk 21. So here's a question. How come we repeat from Odecha until the end and we don't repeat anything before that? So Rashi here explains very insightfully that the reason is because if you look at the Pesukim before, they're already doubled. Not exactly word for word, but sometimes, but almost. Um, for example, you say, we say, Adonai um, God will be, is my helper. And then you say, and it's good to trust in God. So they're both on the same, same theme. So, sorry, that, and then, right, see those two pieces of are almost exactly the same. One has Ba'adam, one says Bendivim. Uh, or the next one, all the my na- nations are all surrounding me, but I trust in God. They're really surrounding me, but I trust in God. They're surrounding me like bees. Right? And yet, uh, I trust in God. So that's a triple. Uh, but you see almost the same words. Um, the, the same exact phrase uh, repeated. The next to Pesukim says, don't let me die so that I can uh, praise you. Um, right? Even though I am suffering, uh, but don't give me over to death. So that's the same thing. Open for me the gates of righteousness so I can go in. Zahashar talks about the gate. This is the gate of Hashem. So Sadiqim will enter it. So you have almost the same words and same theme. So all the Pisukim beforehand are sometimes two or even three uh, have an internal repetition. So you don't, there's no need to repeat those. But starting with Odecha, there is no repetition. So therefore, uh, the rabbis instituted that we would repeat them. Um, so that's the widespread tradition. I think everybody um, repeats Pasuk 21, Odecha, um, and including Hashem Oshiana, Naslichana. Spanish Portuguese does not repeat Baruch Haba B'Shem Hashem until till the end. Um, but uh, Syrian, Syrians do. So uh, even today, everybody has different minhagim uh, to do. If you look at Hadambam, he reconstructs the entire original uh, way of doing it in the Mishnah. And then at the end, he says, This is the original custom, and that's what you should do. Say hallelujah after every phrase 123 times and repeat the first phrase of every mizmor. 
Mishunot, but I've traveled around and I see in our time, there's all kinds of, Mishunot can mean different or strange. I think he means strange. Very strange customs, all different customs. And not only that, not one is like the other. Every, every bed can sit, they're doing something different. And the Nabam didn't like that. I mean, maybe you say, oh, variety, pluralism. No, we want to have some kind of standard. And therefore, Nabam the says, forget all these customs. We don't know how they came up. Everybody should go back to the original and do that. Um, for better or for worse, we haven't followed Hanabam, and I don't know anybody who does that the original way of the Mishnah. Um, everybody has their own customs and their own way, own way of singing Halel, but even if we don't do it, it's good to know the original, uh, the original way of, of saying Halel. Um, just one little point, this is from my father-in-law who's uh, just published a book on Tehillim and noticed that if you look in, in Tehillim, there's two pillars, there's two structures that re- repeat themselves. And the first one is here, Yisrael So three time, three repetition, each addressed to different group, Yisrael, You have a very similar thing uh, at the second half, same groups, grouping, Israel, and with a repeating refrain. If you take those as kind of the pillars uh, of, the, of Halel that stand in the first half and second half, and then you count the words before it, you get 170 words in 25 pesukim. And after that, also you get 171 words in 25 pesukim. In other words, these two repeating refrains are e- exactly equidistant from the beginning and the end. Um, this word, this count works if you play around with the hallelujahs, a couple of hallelujahs that you can't count because they are repeating refrains. But I think based on everything we just said, that makes sense because the hallelujah would be said after every time and the text just happens to say it here and there, right? But, but originally they would recite it all uh, in, every, in every phrase and we don't count them. They're not separate words. They're just the call and answer. All right, so a lot of really fascinating things about the Halel structure and the way that they sang it. So it's really nice that we have this Gemara so we can reconstruct what it used to be. But even though we don't do that today, Lava's point is that we have hints to it. When we say, Hashem Kitab, um, and we all say that, that's the beginning of 118. So that's a hint of how we used to re- repeat every time the beginning of each uh, paragraph and so on. Okay, now, so question is, what if you're sitting in the audience and Chazan is saying it, and you didn't answer hallelujah, right? Um, I don't know, whatever, you're distracted, uh, you, don't, uh, you don't know the tune, you don't have a good voice, you're embarrassed, and you don't answer. Do you fulfill your mitzvah, even if you don't answer? The answer is yes. This is a tradition from the sages, the teachers, the heads of the nation, and the darshanim, the interpreted public speakers. They all are in consensus and say yes. Uh, I don't know where else we ever have this grouping of people. Um, it seems that uh, you know this was a very common thing. So like everybody knows uh, that this is true. You don't even actually have to answer, even if you're just sitting. That itself is in a way participating. So we want to know what's the source and from Tanakh that if you hear then it's also as if you said it. 
דכתיב את כדברים אשר קרא יאשיהו. This is a paraphrase of the פסוק. The פסוק doesn't actually have these words, but the, 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 the context is when קינג יאשיהו wanted to do repairs in the Bet HaMikdash. So he went and says, go to the treasury. Let's see how much money we have so we can make the repairs. And they go to the treasury and sure enough, they find a Sefer Torah. And they bring it out and gives it to Shafan, the scribe. And the Shafan brings it to Yoshiyahu. And Shafan, the scribe, reads it in front of King Yoshiyahu. Um, it seems that they're reading the section of curses. Because uh, their reaction is they tear their clothes. They said, oh, we haven't been following the Torah. We haven't been doing, haven't, keeping Pesach, even basic things. And they recognize their sin and they want to now rectify it and make Teshuvah and take out all the idolatry and serve Hashem properly. And so he, he reads it. Now, it says all the words that Yoshiahu read. Wait a second, did Yoshiahu read them? before says that Shafan read it, read it to him. And yet the Pasuk later says that they realized all the bad things that are going to come, which Yoshiahu read. He didn't read them, he only heard them. So from here, we learn a principle that even though Yoshiahu didn't read them himself, but he only heard them, nevertheless, the Pasuk says that Yoshiahu read. So listening is equivalent to reading it yourself. That's the, that's the source. Wait a second. Maybe we don't have the full story. Maybe uh, Shafan read it to him. And then Yoshiahu says, give me that. I want to read it for myself. And that's why Fibisukimah says, uh, later it says the, that, that, um, that Yoshiahu read. No, but you can't say that because a few people came after that in the same chapter. Later, Hashem says, says, I saw that you um, humbled yourself when you heard all the uh, curses and punishments. So therefore, I'm going to lighten uh, the, the punishment. Anywhere there it says, that all the words that you heard. Now, if, if Yoshiao had read it himself in the meantime, it should have, would have said that you read, that's a stronger word. And yet it says only that he heard. So this teaches that Yoshiahu never read it uh, himself. He only heard it. And nevertheless, the Pasuk beforehand says that he read. So this is the, where we learn the principle of Shomeya Ke'one, which is a very important principle throughout Halakha that we use all the time for Kiddush, for Havdalah, for, for, for so, so many things. Um, good. Amar Rava, lo lema'inish baruch haba v'hadar b'shem Hashem. Ela baruch haba b'shem Hashem v'hadadeh. Rava is giving some good advice that one should not say um, first baruch haba and then pause and then say b'shem Hashem. Because then it's not clear what you're talking about. Baruch haba, maybe talking to your friend. Oh, baruch haba, welcome. And then later you say b'shem Hashem. It's too much distance and it's not appropriate uh, to separate Hashem's name from the rest of the sentence. Now, it's true. When in the original custom, uh, the Chazan would say Baruch Haba and everybody would answer B'Shem Hashem. That's okay. He's not talking about that. He's talking about when you're saying it, the whole thing yourself, to say that all in one breath. 
as much as possible, or take a breath, whatever. Don't make a big pause between the two. Ela, Baruch Hashem, say it all together. Okay, that's what he says. In the printed edition, you have a section here. I'm going to skip it for now. I'm going to show you why it's there. But we'll continue. Amar Rava. Rava said a second thing. Don't say, may the, may the great name, and then pause, and then say, be blessed. Say it all together and as one phrase. May God's great name be blessed. Why? Because it's not appropriate. You're saying, may the great name. That's Hashem's name. You're leaving it hanging. Well, what about it? Right? What, what are you going to say next? Oh, bless. Bless it right away. You should be eager to say the blessing. Uh, so that's Rav's two, two, two statements, are both similar. Rav Safra, Moshe, Shapir Ka'amart. Rav Safra says, he calls Rava Moshe. Now, Rava, we don't, we don't know what his name is. Rava just means Ha-Rav. An Aleph at the end of a word in Aramaic is like putting a He at the beginning of a word in Hebrew. He-Ha-Yediyah. So it means, they, they called them the Rabbi, right? Like today in different circles, right? The, the Rav or... Uh, um, you know, the Chacham, or in, in your midst, whoever it is. So they called him the rabbi because he was great. Um, anyway, here he's calling, calling him Moshe to say, you are the greatest of the generation. You're like Moshe Rabbeinu. However, is this true? What you just said? He wants to say it you know, in, a, in a polite way and show respect, but still question whether this is true. Rather, both there and here, in other words, both cases that you talked about, the one with Baruch Haba and Yehesheimehed Abame Barach, he's just, you're saying the whole, the whole phrase and you're pausing. You know, this is just the conclusion of the matter. So if you say Baruch Haba and then you say B'Shem Hashem, everybody's listening, knows that you're just completing the sentence, even if you have a pause in the begin in the middle. So it's no big deal. And you can pause, you can take a breath naturally, however you want. And this is not a problem. So that's what Rav Safra says. So you see, he says there and here. He's talking about both cases. Um, uh, however, a scribe, for some reason along the way, added Rav Safra's uh, a statement between, after the Baruch Haba, and edited again. And so what you have is, he said it both times, there and here, which doesn't really make sense. This should all be after. Um, um, anyway, Halakha Lama'aseh is that when you are Chazan, it, we should follow the opinion of Rabbah and therefore say it continuously without an interruption um, to show that it's all one phrase, one idea when we bless the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.